Welcome back to a new episode of Mostly <coughs> Ghostly with Matthew Fisher and Ray Booten. How you doing over there, Ray? Pretty good. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Not too shabby. I received my uh, Metro West t-shirt in the mail yesterday, so I'm rocking that today. Supporting. I saw it. Uh, you Did you get your shirt yet or no? Still going to wait to no. meet up? I got it for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, we 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 uh, we haven't got a winner yet for the contest um as well, so we might have, we we might have more merchandise to give away. They gave us a bunch of, you know, stickers and buttons and wristbands, I believe. Um and we got a hoodie too that we're going to we're going to we're going to trivia away one of these days. Um maybe I'll do a refreshing uh, of people's minds and tell them to re-listen to the episode and you know hit us up with an answer. The answer wasn't too wasn't too difficult. I feel I think it's more of a uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes with them. But um, yeah, Metro West, good folks, giving up merch. Gotta love it. We're gonna be going on on uh, on location with them once things are back to normal too. We've been invited out on a few different um, investigations. So, it'll be cool to get that popping off. You know what I mean? Yep. Cool. All right. Well, folks, uh, thanks for sticking with us and listening. You know, numbers have been doing really good all over the world. We thank you for that. You know, we'll start the show off with that instead of finishing it up as usual. And, um, yeah, so we're good. We're we're always happy to see those numbers. I think we're pushing. I don't know if we're at the 3,000 mark or if we're at a little... uh, I haven't opened it up in a little bit, and, uh, you know, the last couple episodes, I'd say the last handful, you know, maybe a little more than a handful episodes, each episode's been catching a couple hundred listens in that week, so that's helping the cause, you know, so anybody out there who's listening, you know, we appreciate it, we thank you very much, you know, uh, if you like the show, share it with a friend, uh, share it with an enemy if you want, and just uh, share it is the big key to that, you know, getting us out there into a different, you know, different ears, getting us out there in front of different eardrums is uh, the future, and we got a few eyeball stuff coming for you guys once uh, the world gets back to normal, but who knows when that'll be. So, uh, so today's episode, we're talking about talking to the dead, you know, living that medium life, um... And we're lucky to have uh, an in-house guest for this episode, Mr. Ray Booten, who's been uh, in, in the mediumship for many a moon. You know, we'll start off with uh, with uh, that a little bit. When did uh, you first get into the uh, the mediumship? Oh, it had to be at least 15 years ago, maybe a little longer, maybe closer to 20. Did you just stumble into it, or is it something that you kind of went seeking? I was curious, and they had a, uh, I don't know if you call it fair or a festival in a place, and there was someone there who had a gallery going. So I was a little skeptical, got some tickets. Uh, my wife and I sat in the front row, mm-hmm. and uh, he was doing his thing, and then he picks on me. Ooh. And he starts giving me messages. And the key thing with him was he did not ask for information. Just a confirmation on what he gave, yes or no. Mm. And 
he told me a whole bunch of things that were about my father who had passed recently uh, just a little while before that and uh, he just kept going on and on and told me things that um, oh my wife didn't even know mm. and so what happened was that he set up uh, a class for people interested and we would go once a week I did it for about two years and we, we would look at different things and work with him. I ended up working with him part-time, mm -hmm. mostly scheduling and doing stuff, but taking the classes for a couple of years. Then we went our separate ways. I uh, myself went out and for about five years did it professional, professionally, mostly galleries, some private sessions, but then decided that the gift was not really something I wanted to make money off of. Mm -hmm. So uh, I retired from the profession. I do have, I have had some requests, most I've turned down, except for some friends or someone in a special circumstances. So I kind of do it on the spot if it occurs and, uh, as a special favor to, to people, but the communication ability is always there. Yeah, I was going to say, did you ever get any feels like you could, you could speak to other people before that, um, you know, going to that, uh, like a conference type thing? Um, I did. I was always in tune with a lot of what you would call the spiritual. Um, and I thought it was my imagination. Turns out it wasn't. So I just worked on not only developing the skills, but also uh, protection, how to handle it. Because initially when I first opened up, it, it was very difficult to get flooded with a lot of things. So you have to know, learn how to close it down. Yeah and uh, be able to live a normal life. You don't want to be bombarded all the time. Right. And also, when to be discreet, when you do give a message and when you don't. Mm. Um, how were the uh, the other people that were at that seminar? What, you, you have some... Was there any really colorful characters there? I know whenever I go to anything kind of a little out of the norm, I always find some really colorful characters. Uh, there were some... Um, in the classes, one by one, the people started uh, falling away. Mm -hmm. I think I was the last one, too. Uh, very few, as far as I know, none of them pursued it. Okay. They did it. They just took the classes for their own purposes. Uh, none went professional. Now, did he, uh, did he speak? Yep. To, when you say they did it for their own purposes, was he speaking to everybody, or was it just an enlightenment type thing they were looking for? I think most of the people in the classes, it was enlightenment. Yeah. Did anybody ever, like, naysay him or anything like that? Or was it, you know, just kind of a straightforward, no, no, you know, no questions asked type thing? Um, I did not run into any negative. Mm -hmm. He was usually, uh, best I could tell, he was very accurate. And in the classes themselves, um, that was training. Mm. So basically, you listened and did what he did in order to learn and to open up. Yeah. The classes themselves, um, we covered a broad range of things. Uh, we learned about energy, the chakras, um, how to read them, uh, which you can do, but never, never without the person's permission. Yeah. Um, psychometry, which is uh, starting with an object, you hold it, the energy in the object tells you about the person who owned it or where it's been. So you covered a lot of different things in a path to opening up. 
uh, before we started to actually uh, speak to people in spirit. Mm. We also, uh, it was very funny because there was a gentleman one time, he was there, we would practice on each other. And what happened was that he, uh, he was over there and I asked him, it was my, my turn to be up and I asked him, do you have any, I said, do you have a pet in spirit? well I have a dog now I said no you have a pet that died and it was a cat and he goes yeah how did you know I said, because right next to you I see the image of a cat it's looking at me and looking at you like hey you forgot about me uh, <laughs> I started laughing he started laughing he goes yeah that's the cat I had for years <laughs> so how'd you first stumble into this whole seminar just you know poking around or fate just kind of bring you to it I think it was more like fate. I heard about the thing, and they had different things like um, Wiccan and herbs and gems and a whole variety of things, and he just happened to be there. And when I saw it, that's when I uh, uh, bought the tickets to go in for his session, his gallery. Because they'll do like a spiritual convention type thing, right? Where you can, the same way as like a horror convention or a comic convention where you can walk around. I know there's paranormal conventions, but like... Uh, like a spiritual thing where you could walk around the little, like, you know, little cubicle, you know, cut-off sections where they have their people set up their merch, and you can buy, you know, stones and beads and, you know, sage and all types of stuff like that, I assume, right? Um, yes, they have quite a few of those conventions. Quite often there's Reiki at them, there'll be yeah. some mediums, some psychics, um, the people with the stones, different healing modalities um they're interesting to go to they're very interesting to go to if you are a sensitive or you're a medium if you have any ability at all they're difficult to go to yeah this is there's a lot of energy there particularly with the people seeking messages or looking for something and you have to be able to block it all out otherwise it overwhelms you trying to walk through the crowd yeah yeah it makes sense we'll have to keep an eye out for those would it be cool to go to one are there any that you frequent? Uh, there used to be one that, uh, uh, where was it? I think it was up in Marlboro. I think I went to it once. I mean, it was nice, but I just didn't feel any need to go back. And even considering it now, it's not something which uh, is available anymore until things open up again. Yeah. So to, uh, so to dive into the medium thing, what exactly is, for anybody out there that doesn't isn't familiar with you know what a medium is what would you tell them oh that's a, that that's a little bit of a tricky one yeah okay <laughs> um uh, yeah okay that that's a, that's a tricky one let me see the, if i can come up with the best way to explain it you can break it down if you want in a different different categories if that helps okay medium uh okay i'll distinguish Something. Not all psychics are mediums. All mediums are psychics. Okay. A psychic will pick up on a variety of different things, but it's not really a direct communication with those in spirit. Um, you also have people that say they channel. Mm -hmm. They're channeling someone. That usually involves a trance. Um, I have, I'm a little skeptical with that. In that, uh, you know, you meet somebody and says, oh, I'm channeling Julius Caesar. Well, how am I going to verify it? <laughs> you know, right. besides, besides historical facts. 
a medium communicates with the dead. Um, they can do so in a variety of different ways. You have some, I think they call it clear sentient. What things pop into their head, they simply know things. It's like, boom, oh, oh man, oh this, oh that, oh that. And that's a knowing that they have. Um, there are those that are very visual. Uh, they'll see things. They'll see a person. They'll see a place. They'll see what's going on. Um, there are those that can uh, hear. They can hear the person talk, and they can hear different things going on. There are mediums that feel. Um, they'll feel sick. They'll feel warm. They'll feel cold. They'll feel something wrong in a certain area, and they'll relate that to a problem that the person had. Myself, uh, I'm a combination of all of them. Typically what happens is that um, I'll see somebody and then mentally I'll start communicating with them. And I may ask them, I may see somebody and I see they have a cane and I'll say in my mind what happened and suddenly I get a sharp pain like let's say in my right knee. I said, okay, you had a bum knee. And I'll relay that message on, that it was a bad knee. That's why he's got the cane. It was the right knee. So I can identify different things. That happens also if I ask them how they died. Sometimes I'll get a crushing feeling in my chest or I'll get something else. And it'll be like either a heart attack or a headache might be an aneurysm or a stroke. Um, I start to feel it. And as soon as I recognize it, they pull it back. Um, I hear things. I may hear something. I mean, one time I was um, in a home doing a family, a uh, large group in that home, and I could see a bowl with a fruit in it, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I kept on asking, what is it? What is it? And suddenly I heard what sounded like someone screaming in my ear, figs! And my head snapped back, and I looked around, and everybody's just looking at me. They didn't hear a thing. And I said, oh, so mentally I thanked them and I said oh by the way they loved figs they used to keep them in a bowl in a kitchen um, so I hear them I see them I feel things uh, sometimes they give me a lot of images um, but I think that people sometimes when they go to a medium what they expect may not be realistic yeah um, with me it's I call it the cone effect it's like a cone and that is it starts to narrow down. It's very broad-based at the beginning. For instance, um, I remember one, I said, okay, and I always say yes or no. Don't give me information. I don't want to see you ahead of time. I don't want to know anything about who you want to see. I don't want names. No information. I'm just going to say blah, blah, blah. You recognize it. And then they say yes or no. Sometimes if they give a no, I say hold on to that thought. You will later on. Uh, if the person I'm speaking to in spirit is very, very strong and adamant about uh, giving that information out. Yeah. Um, then I'll say, okay, I see someone, he's about uh, uh, standing behind you. He's too. I also, when I communicate with spirits, I ask them to position themselves in a certain place so I can relate what the relationship was. Directly behind the person is usually apparent. If they're a step back, about arm's length, it's a grandparent. So if someone shows up and I see him, I say, could you, your grandparents step back? If not, step in close. If they step to the side, then that's an aunt or an uncle. Mm. I can't, it's a way I have 
differentiating. And this person was stepped back, said, okay, I see someone, he's an old man, looks like, looks like a grandfather. I have a grandfather in spirit, yes or no? Yes. Okay, um, let's see. Bald on top, gray around the sides, had glasses. Very conservative, never wore jeans in his life because he's presenting with slacks and a shirt with a collar, so you never saw him in a t-shirt, you understand? And they say yes. So as it goes on, I start adding more details. Oh, he's standing in a room, there's lots of woodworking tools around him. Okay, this room is his garage, he had a workshop out there, do you understand? Yes. Okay, it was a gray house. It had a white trim. It had a rock garden in front. It had a tomato garden out back. You understand? Yes. Oh, he really loved his old, old Cadillac. It was a red one, but gave him a lot of trouble. Do you understand? Yes. So I start piecing together. He gives me more information. I give that information to the person. So eventually what they have is a physical description of the grandfather, where he lived, all of the details, and part of their relationship, and what I'm thinking about in particular. Um... I remember there, I remember telling them he made, and don't say anything till I'm done, he made for you a little toy, and then I described the toy in his woodshop, and you still have that, though you have it put away, you still have that. And the person did. So as they give me information, I fill in the picture, it's like painting a picture, becomes clearer as the painting goes on, more details are added, and more, it's not like slam, here's everything all at once. Um, I get a communication going back and forth to fill in those details, particularly if it's leading to something where where it's personal. Um, for instance, the toy that the person had. Um, several occasions, more than once, um, somebody had a favorite ring or a wedding band in their pocket. And that's where that was kind of like the closure, the thing that really brought it together when it's when I would say uh, one was a young girl and a father, another one was a lady who brought her mother's ring, favorite ring, put it in her pocket. She got the messages, and then the mother pointed to to uh, her finger where a ring had been. You can see what they used to call the cheater band, the whiter skin, mm-hmm. and pointed at the girl's pocket and said, your mother knows that you have her ring in your pocket. So that communication, it builds and it builds and it builds until the person knows, okay, he can't be talking about anyone except for the method, uh, the way that they died, the way that they lived, um, personal information, interaction between the two of them, uh, the description. You build it up so that eventually they do sit there going, okay, I never met this guy before and he just told me everything. Uh, about that relative. And this is kind of curious for some people. In spirit, the communication is not dependent on language. I was in a home, uh, and the family was Portuguese. And I was describing someone, and it was the same person with the figs, uh, that screamed in my ear. And afterwards, I was talking to them, uh, the family afterwards, they were asking me questions. And they, one came up to me and said, oh, yeah, that was my grandmother. You speak Portuguese. I said, no. I said, well, she never came to America or spoke English. In spirit, the communication is there, and it is how you understand it. It's a direct communication. It isn't really dependent upon uh, language. Yeah. It's just you're, commuting, you're communicating directly with the spirit. Now you think um, 
I assume that the term medium comes from, you know, the fact, the middle person, so to speak, the guy, the per, the guy or girl that could speak to, you know, the living and the dead. That's probably correct, right? I never looked up where the word came from or how, where it was derived from. Yeah. Um, I just said, okay, that's cool. That's what they call it. I feel like that'd be it, though. You know what I mean? Something close to it. Um, when you when you first got started, what was the most enticing um, part of, of of getting into this? Was it the fact that you could, you know, be a, a middle a middle ground for you know family to communicate with some loved ones that passed on, or did you, what, what 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 was the most exciting you know thing that got you going? Really, yeah, this is what I want to do. The most exciting thing was the comfort that the people got. Yeah. Um, when you when you give them a message, and they realize it doesn't all stop with death. It's very, not only comforting, but it wakes you up when you realize there is more than this world. Just yeah. because we die, everything doesn't stop. Right. It may stop in, in this plane of existence, but it doesn't stop overall. Um, one time I was, uh, after I had stopped, I had a job for about 10 years, and there was a lady in there, the only thing I knew about her was that uh, one of her parents had died and then a few weeks later the other one had died, but didn't know her personally. Yes. And I kept on getting these images and I said, okay, I'm going to break a rule and I'm going to say something uh, out of place. So I told her that the parents are with you and they want you to find the picture within a picture to let you know they're still with you. And she just looked at me weird she had heard what I'd done, so she didn't scream at me, but just looked at me weird. And she said, I didn't understand. I don't understand. I said, well, check with your family, check, but there's a picture within a picture. When you find it, you'll know that they're still with you since I don't know you. Yeah. And I don't know where it would be. A few days later, she came back and she thanked me. She contacted her brother. And her brother said, don't you remember? And then uh, gave it to her. Uh, there was a photograph of her parents standing in front of a portrait they had done of themselves. It was the picture within the picture. Hmm. And she took that that since I knew nothing about her personal life and her family, she took that for what it was, that her parents wanted to say, hey, listen, we're okay. See, here's evidence. This guy couldn't know. This shows you that we're okay. And that, the, when you see someone um, accept that uh, we're more than this body except that life continues on even though in a different form when you see that someone knows that they're not alone that their loved ones are still with them um, still caring and still helping that's very comforting and that was the best part of it that was the part that really kept me in it for the time I was in it Do you think this is something that anybody can kind of venture into? I assume you would have to have some type of spark within to do it, but do you think that somebody that just had the passion and really wanted to really wanted to do this could do do it if they didn't have that original maybe spark within them? I think, well, two things. One is I think it is inherited mm -hmm. as far as for those that find it easy, it's inherited uh, in the genes, so to speak. I think everyone has the ability to do it. Um, it's just, uh, are they willing to open up? And because we trust our minds that this world is everything. The biggest thing, I used to run seminars myself. 
a training day where someone would come in and they'd spend six hours. And I've never had anybody ask for money back or say it didn't work because at the end of the day, they would be given some communication. Most of that day was breaking down barriers the way people looked at the world yeah. and trusting that it's not their imagination. I would sometimes uh, pick someone out and say, okay, who's with me? Because I would ask my uh, relatives I had in spirit to help and to be there. And I'd, they'd have a look on their face. I'd say, stop thinking. What came into your mind? They went, oh, lady. Don't think. What about her? Um, um, uh, um, island. And they'd start spewing stuff out. I said, keep going, keep going, keep going. And they just start spewing all this information out. I said, okay, you stopped thinking and you let it happen. Now, that was my mother. She was actually born on an island. She was a teacher, etc. They would come up with all this information, and then they'd be amazed when you cut off the conscious mind and you let the rest of the mind go. It reaches out, and people can't be taught that. They can be um, they can taught to be taught how to bridge that dimension, taught how to pick up on those vibrations. There was a study, uh, and this was actually done by scientists. I believe it was in Britain where they took five mediums and they did a study. Now they hooked up devices at their brain to uh, measure brain waves. Mm-hmm. And they were so thorough that they even have had others that were focused um, on their eyes so that they could see if the person, how the person moved the eyes and what was going on. And they recorded sessions where these mediums gave information to people. Now, they admitted in the study that part of it was subjective because the people who received the information confirmed whether it was real or not. That was a subjective part of it. They were looking for, is the person, uh, they were paying attention to conversations. Is the person asking information when they should be giving information? They were looking at eye movement to see uh, what the person was looking at and where their eyes were going. And they were looking at brain waves. And they found out that uh, about 80% of the messages delivered were accurate with these mediums. They picked well-established ones who volunteered to do it. Um, they also found out that uh, the brain waves relieve, I think, oh, I can't remember now, whether it was the beta hmm. brain waves. There was an increase in the frontal area. Yeah. And an increase that usually is associated, uh, a brainwave usually is associated with spiritual or religious practices. So there was something going on in the brain that was not logical, that was not analytical. And these people were able to pull information from the deceased. And it was a study that's, that uh, actually was done by a group of scientists. Of course, they hedged their bets when they gave the results. Uh, but yeah, it, part of the brain is activated. You have to learn how to shut the rest of the brain off and get that part of the brain to open up. And that's where the training comes in. Hmm. The, um, you know, it's, it's the idea that you can actually like talk to the dead, I think is very, um, you know, enticing to it. I think that that would pique a lot of people's interest from like the get-go you know well it's it's part of it's because of our training we're um even if you have 
religious training. Many of it is that, you know, we leave this world, we go somewhere else, the atheist, there is nothing else. There's all variations on it. But everything we're taught revolves around the physical world. It revolves around our jobs, acquiring wealth, acquiring objects. Um, we put ourselves as the dominant species, et cetera, et cetera. And it's all here in this world. And we ignore the fact that we're primarily spirit, or inhabiting a body temporarily, and when we pass back into spirit, we can still communicate. There's multiple dimensions. The spirit world is one of them, and our spirit can connect with their spirit, and we can relay messages. This is not the end. I can remember uh, a friend of mine I knew for some years. Um, he was dying, and uh, his uh, wife asked that we go with her and we were there for it and stayed with him in his final hours and while I was there I started describing people that were in the room he was unconscious but people that were in the room mm -hmm. it was afterwards I found out from her that I had described family members of his who were in spirit so they come to greet you and they help you cross over I didn't know who they were but she was able afterwards to identify who they are and they were family members that he had grown up with and that he loved and they came to greet him and present, uh, help him present his spirit into the other dimension, into the spirit world. That's comforting. You know? um, now you also believe that you think a lot of people actually have the ability, they just kind of turn it off and don't follow it, right? I do. I think that it, it overwhelms them. The biggest thing, and this was when training people, is that trust that it's not your imagination. Mm. It's not your imagination. I can remember one time when uh, being in Salem on a ghost tour. I was with my wife, and she has some ability. And uh, we were waiting for the tour to start. And there was a couple there, and they had a little boy with them in, in the flesh. And they were waiting. And I whispered to my wife, oh, you see the little girl? She goes, the blonde? And I go, with the red jacket on? She goes, yep, I see her. And she was with them. Yeah. Now, we, you don't go running up to somebody and say that. You're either going to get your face slapped or someone's going to get mad or call you crazy. You see things at times. And we had opened up because we were going on a ghost tour. Yeah. To be able to pick things up. So we allowed ourselves to be more open than usual. And we're walking on the tour. And I forgot the name, but at some point the parents say, oh, so-and-so, she would have loved this. And that was the daughter. Yeah. What they didn't know is the daughter was with them sharing it in spirit. You think these spirits that are with, you know, when people do bad things or, you know, um, things that might not be bad, you think these spirits are around them all the time and might be a little horrified by the things they see their loved ones doing or... Um, I would think so, but those people would all those people obviously doing the bad would, would have everything closed off, and any spirits that were around, um, I call them helpers. Um, they would be sad over uh, what's going on because that person is still locked into this world and locked into the evil of the world. Are they? You think the spirit guides are uh, around them? You think the, all the time, or is it just like a they come and go type thing? I think for most people, at least one main spirit guide is with them all the time. Others may come and go. 
it can be a, a, a relative or it can be uh, another entity uh, trying to help us on our spiritual journey on this earth walk. Hmm. Now, what, what, how would it help? What, what do you think it would do to help? Just guide a situation or be there to look over your shoulder? Uh, kind of guide, guide us a little bit, nudges we may not recognize. Um, I was driving years ago, I was driving down the street and, um, up ahead of me, uh, there was a truck and I noticed something funny about the truck and my thoughts had been somewhere else, but suddenly they suddenly jumped to back off the truck and I don't know where that came from. So I slowed down. Um, after I, so as I was starting to slow down, the truck made a weird move, almost got in an accident. If I had stayed that close, I would have been nailed in the car. Mm. Where did that warning come from? True. So those things that we call them in, instinct, impulses, quite often, the part of our brain that's still open is receiving the message. It's when something says, no, don't do that. There's a good reason. Don't do that. <laughs> right. It's like, don't follow that. No, no, don't do that. There's something they're telling you not to. It can be the brain recognizing a bad situation, and it could be a guide or a loved one in spirit nudging us to turn away from that path we're about to go down to uh, in order to help us. Yeah. These guides, you think, would if, if somebody was being attacked by, like, a demonic force of negativity, these guys, you think they'd go to war with whatever negative energy is around it to, to, to protect you? Or is it, how do you think it would handle that situation? I think they can help protect you. I know some mediums communicate through their guides. They um, ask their guides, and their guides relay information. They use the guides, something like a wall or a barrier to keep other things out. Um, I don't. I go for direct communication. Yeah. Uh, But I think that, yeah, they're there to help protect you. Can they stop everything all the time? No. Part of that is your responsibility where your mind and your spirit is. If you're going down that rabbit hole, they can nudge you only and protect you only so much. You are going to go down that rabbit hole because that's where you put yourself. You think people... uh... Most people would use their spiritual guides in that situation almost like a, like their guard dog. Like if it was they they seen something around, they were they went and they, they heard something in their backyard and they opened up the door and let the dog the dog out to take care of it before they go out there type deal, something like that. In the spiritual realm, yeah, yeah they might do they they might do that. I know some mediums. That's why they uh, rely on the guides to help them navigate their way through the spirit world and uh, keep negative things away and make sure they don't go into an area they shouldn't be going into. Could these guides be hurt or wounded, you think, during like some spiritual battle? I don't believe so. It's a whole different situation over there. You're, on yeah. a, you're basically on a different level. One thing to remember is that um, two things, even in a spirit world, cannot exist in the same space. Yeah. The, the example I like to use is light and dark. The light, either the light's on or it's often it's dark, hmm. or you have good and evil. If good is there, evil can't occupy the same space. It can attempt to turn a light off, so to speak. It can attempt to nudge someone towards more evil, but it can't just step in and wipe out that light. It can't wipe out the good. So as long as you stay 
in that um, spiritual good, that spiritual light, uh, and as you work on reinforcing it constantly, then you should be safe, and you should nothing negative out there should even want to go near you because it's kind of like oh no not that one it that one shines a little too bright for me i'm going to go over there that dim bulb over there and try and manipulate them yeah so people should make sure they always pay their spiritual electricity bill because they don't want the <laughs> they don't want the lights to go off yeah yep. Yeah. That, that's a good way of putting it. And what's a good way for people to kind of pay that bill? Just being good? Just being like a good person? Or what do you think? Uh, it's being good. I think meditating and prayer mm-hmm. um, helps a lot. Keeping your mind focused in the right area. Focusing on the right things in your life. The good things in your life. The positive things. The love. Um and also turning your back on anything evil. I mean, it, particularly you take today with the craziness in the world mm-hmm. and you use social media. Yeah. And it's constantly coming at you and you're being bombarded and you're tempted to turn around and throw a nasty remark and uh, get into a debate because, no, that's not, it's like, no, no, stop. Stop, stop, stop. You're getting sucked into that negative. So you turn your back and go, no, I don't need to comment on that. I don't need to fight with that person. I don't need to get sucked into that. I'm just going to turn this off and go chill. I'm going to turn this off and maybe go do something that makes me feel good or even better yet, help somebody. Yeah. And that's how you stay constantly orientated towards the good side, towards the light. Yeah, the um, just kind of yeah, exercise. You think exercise, the physical exercise, that's good for you to... Keep keep a good spiritual mind, right? Mind, body, and soul type thing. There has to be a balance. Um, the saying is that everything that goes into your body determines your health, and that's your spiritual health as well. It's like I was just saying with the um, social media. Mm-hmm. All that negative pouring in is not going to help your mind and not going to help your spirit. If you're taking a lot of toxins in your body and polluting it, while you're bringing your body down, you're polluting your body. You're giving it illness and making it feel worse, um, that's going to drag you down as well. Yeah. And the flip, flip side is whether it's meditation for the mind or prayer for the mind, um, eating a reasonable diet, exercising to kind of burn off that energy and keep yourself healthy, all of those positive things build up the positive and make you a better vehicle for spirit, a better house for the spirit to live in. You you may have addressed this earlier, but what's the what's the actual difference between a medium and a uh, ch- some of the channels? Uh, the channel usually usually goes into a trance, okay. and the channel uh, speaks for someone else. Sometimes their voice will change a little bit, other times it won't. But they just say, uh, "I'm you're, I'm using the classical definition of channel." They mm-hmm. they will just say a lot of different things. The medium usually was involved more in communication back and forth. Um, actually, they'll give messages similar to a, to a channel, but they'll relay a message. Yeah. They're over there saying, um, because I can remember one time in a gallery, there was a family there and a, a young guy came through. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, the family was kind of upset 
the look on their faces like they weren't sure what's going to happen. And when the uh, when I got the information from him and I related that same way, yes or no, in steps, is that he had died, um, he had committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And he kept giving me all these positive things about his life and about his parents. And his message was, I'm okay now, and I'm sorry. And he kept on throwing out these positive things to show how much he remembered that was good and how much he still loved them yeah. and was with them. So he gave all that information, that message, uh, not through my voice as far as directly as, I, as if I was speaking for him. He said, tell him about this. Oh, tell him about that. Tell him about this. Let him remember this. It was good. And I was just reiterating what he was saying and putting it out there for them until they realized that, yeah, he is okay now and he's sorry, but he's still with them and he's okay. Do you think he's tormented in a situation like that or he's come to peace from the other side? I mean, he left in a really dark place. Do you think that continued to linger on or do you think that he's kind of at peace with it? What do you think? What I, he was at peace. Okay. He relayed the message he was at peace. Huh. Um, he was sorry and that he was at peace and that he loved them. Hmm. I have not come across anyone um, who was a tortured soul, even whether it was an abrupt death, uh, one was a motorcycle accident, uh, another one that was a suicide, etc. They were all at peace where they were now. And yeah. mostly what they wanted to do is let the people who are here now know they were at peace and know that it was okay. And they didn't need to weep and they didn't need to cry and feel bad because they were at peace and it was okay. They can go on living. We'll see each other again someday. So a religious question I'd ask is like, I know a lot of religions feel that if you happen to commit suicide, that's like, uh, you know, an act punishable uh, of being sent to hell. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you wouldn't follow up with that? Um, I can't see how that happens um, based on the experience of speaking people who have mm -hmm. taken their own life. Yeah. Um, they feel bad that they did. Mm -hmm. They express regret, but they also express love, and yeah. they do not in any way indicate that they're being tortured or in hell. They do express regret, though, for it? Most in a way of apologizing to those they left behind for the pain that they caused. So it's more of a pain that their family and friends had, not so much the regret of, like, leaving the party. Uh, like more of a regret in the way they did it and the pain they caused. Interesting. So they're almost, in a way, content with with doing what they did. That's dark. It's a dark, dark, little dark conversation, but that's interesting. I, f I feel that, yeah, I could all, uh, I'm sure even when they do it, they still, they feel that guilt that they're doing this to their family and friends, you know what I mean? Even though they feel like they have no way out and the only option to end their pain and suffering is this. It's, um, it's, a, I find it interesting that there's like, uh, I, well, I was raised always to think that it was, you know, that was, you know, very frowned upon and um, that what you're saying kind of makes it sound like um, like they almost got what they wanted for. Like, I've always felt that, you know, it was a weird, tr you know, you were in such a dark place that 
you did this act that would send you to a worse situation, you know what I mean? And it almost sounds like it wouldn't, it's not uh, a worse situation to a degree. You feel your guilt and stuff, but for the most part, you know, it fr- frees you of that pain, not to sound pro-suicide or anything, but it sounds like it almost freed them of that current pain they were trying to get away from. And they, they you know, they were still... They were sad in the, by what they what what it caused their family and friends and stuff, but it almost feels like they they escaped that pain like they wanted to. You know what I mean? Well, they may have temporarily escaped the pain. They do have the regret uh, for the pain that they caused to their loved ones left behind. Yeah. Also, as part of their spiritual journey, they have to come to face what they did and move on from what they did. Now, whether that's reincarnation, if that's what you believe. Um, or whether it's just the soul of the spirit growing when in the spirit world, it's a whole different place. Uh, it's not really, um, centered the way we are around here in the, in the physical world on material things and relationships are very different. Uh, one example I can give is that, uh, my father and mother got divorced. My father remarried. Yeah. For a long while, uh, my mother was bitter about it. And uh, I was doing mediumship at one time, and I had family members there. And I was in the room, well, no, no, that wasn't mediumship, that was a different one. Um, I was in in the same room. Uh, My father passed before my mother, and his new wife passed. Uh, About a month later, he passed. About a year later, my mother passed. She crossed over. And I was in the room when she did. Hmm. And I was there, and I could see her mother and father there. And what had happened was that there were two other people there with her. And one was my father, and one was his new wife. Existence in the spirit world is different. It doesn't have the jealousies that we have. It doesn't have the anger that we have. I'm I'm eliminating evil. Mm -hmm. But for most people, it's a whole different type of existence. Um, I can also remember when training people later on, sometimes I'd ask, like my mother and my father and stuff, and the second wife would show up. They're all getting along in spirit. It's kind of like they're looking back saying, man, all that bullshit we had when we were... (laughs) In the physical world, it's ridiculous. So it, it, it has always been very loving and accepting on multiple levels uh, in the spirit world. Uh, what we have here, it's completely different over there. So you feel, feel there's like a forgiveness in death? So like, let's say, let's say somebody killed somebody over like a, a passion thing or, you know, over love. Like there was real love there, but they killed somebody. You think that that would be, you think that, the, you know... Uh, those people would come, even you know, even though they love them. You think those people would be the people that would come in the end for them? I think that the ones that were killed, yeah, uh, would have to let go of the anger and the pain mm-hmm. uh, of that event. And as they grow in the spirit world, yes, they would be there to welcome the person. They would be there to show to help them transition over, hmm. to show them. Um, how best they can change and evolve on the other side. Interesting. 
And um, now w- w- with with like you know spirits and, and go ghosts so to speak, the, you know left behind. Do you think that that's like a you, like do you believe in uh, everybody has a time type thing that they're when they're born they actually you know the, the the clock starts and there's an actual day and time that they're scheduled to die. Do you believe that? There are some religions or some belief systems that believe in that. I don't necessarily believe that. Okay. Um, I think that we evolve and at some point, um, whether it serves a purpose or not, I'm not sure, uh, we cross over. Yeah. Okay. Cause I've always, I always assumed that like when you see, when, when ghosts stick around, it's because they, they, ha- you know, because everybody has kind of a set time that they, that they're leaving. And when something out of the norm happens and they leave early, that they're kind of stuck here to live out the rest of their time, so to speak. And then once they hit that time of when they're supposed to leave, that's when they can actually leave. Um, I believe, well, if you're talking about the situation with a ghost, I believe yeah. it is more about they don't recognize their death or right. they won't let go of this world. Um, I know situations where, uh, and these are individuals I know, that have helped people who were trapped. Yeah ghosts they help them pass on they help them let go they help them move on and release of their attachments to this world yeah uh, it goes to um well i think like if you take the tibetan book of the dead there's a 45 day prayer process yeah that uh when a person dies they are confronted with different things um and one of the phases during that is that um, they see the world and they see their belongings and they see everything here and if they get trapped a lot down in that and not recognize their true self their spirit self if they start hanging on that's when um they uh go into reincarnation they're born back into the world they wouldn't let go of yeah instead of instead of moving upward and onward now, uh, to jump back a little bit, when we were talking about channel, the people that channel, it's okay to call them channelers, I assume? Is that, that's cool? Yes. All right, so uh, where, between channelers and mediums, where do psychics fall? Because I've seen psychics kind of do both, channeling, you know, having people speak through them, as well as, you know, get get spoken to and then relay the message. I think a lot of the times it's what the person calls themselves. Okay. I think the, the psychic instinctively knows or feels certain things. Um, the medium technically takes it that further step and communicates with those in spirit. But some of them, they say that, oh, I'm a psychic medium or I'm a channeler or I'm a physical medium because they feel things physically. or And they people are always making up these categories. Yeah. Um, empaths feel things. And other people, um, psychics can detect certain things. Like a basic stage of psychic is psychometry, where you pick something up and you can read the energy of it, yeah, and where it came from. As you progress, and once your mind becomes open to see into the other world, to see into the spirit world, then you're a medium. Okay. Then, then you're then you're a full blown medium, and you don't need the other titles. So the medium's kind of. Uh... The above all? I wouldn't say above. I would say that they probably opened up much more than others. Um, 
like in that training uh, I mentioned, and we learned a lot about energies and chakras in the system. Now, the root chakra holds your history, and that includes trauma. And uh, if someone is very good at reading energy, and you only do it with the person's permission, you can go into a root chakra and bring something up so that the person can deal with it. Yeah. Now, when we were doing chakra work, uh, the one who was running the class turned around and looked at me and then went, oh. And I just smiled at him. And he said, you bounced me right off. And I said, yeah, you didn't ask permission. I'm not letting anyone in. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope. Nope, 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 nope. I got my. You're, you're not getting inside to read me unless you ask permission first, and I decide to let you. But he was using what I would consider more of an energy reading or psychic type of thing to be able to pick up stuff from me, and I just had my shields up, so it didn't work. Do you think psychics are a more commercial aspect of it? I mean, psychics are the ones that you don't, you'd used to see every town almost would have one, have a little shop somewhere, and you don't really catch that. For mediums or channelers, you know what I mean? Um, again, I think it's someone using a title and using an, an ability. And, more welcome? Uh, Do you think that... Making, that ti- making a living off it? Unfortunately, yeah. uh, what I found out when uh, I was in the world of mediumship and doing it professionally is there's a lot of... And I was very disappointed. There's a lot of competition with people putting each other down. Yeah, I believe it. And it was kind of like, really? Aren't we supposed to all be on the same page helping people here? We're all doing the same thing. But everybody boasting better than the other, or that one's not real, and back and forth. And then you do have the, uh, you, you do have the fakes. Uh, you have the people that, uh, you know, you go to a gallery and someone's over there and they start giving a little information and, in and, you know, the person says, oh, it sounds like my mother. Yes, your mother's with you. Well, the person just told you it was the mother. That's why I believe the best way to do it is if someone says it sounds like is I would stick my hand up and go, no, don't tell me. Let me tell you because it's the only way that it is valid is if you give me no information and I give you all of the information. Yeah. And the, also the other thing too is like I said earlier, like sometimes someone would say no and I was getting a strong message of yes from spirit. So I would say, okay, hold on to that thought. I would also recommend that people bring a notepad because they get wrapped up in a moment and forget things. And I had one lady come back one time, and she said, uh, I mentioned something about a book, and I mentioned something about a flower and an engagement. I don't remember the details of it. And she goes, I don't remember anything. Well, she went, and this was a, probably about a month or two later, she was after the mediumship, she decided to go through a bunch of old stuff, throw some things out and whatnot. She was looking through things, and she found a book, and in it was pressed a flower, and it was the one that her husband had given her when they had become engaged. She couldn't remember at the moment, but that was a message for her from the husband that would reinforce things later on. Hmm. Uh, just like the one with the picture in the picture didn't know. But the parents knew that there was a picture out there. Told her to go find it, yeah. and that—that's where the—that's where the message is, and it works better when it it confirms, it validates. Yeah. When you get when you give actual information with nothing given to you. I agree. 
Yeah, I mean, the, whenever I've seen psychics in action, I've never been to one personally, but I've seen them in TV and movies and all that stuff, and uh, they're usually like, they usually kind of feed off of whatever is said. Even good old John Edwards back in the day, I remember hearing stories of have, him having people like within the crowd uh, talking to people to get info out of him and then like kicking that info back to him through like a headset or something like that. Well, there's a popular show out there that has a female medium mm-hmm. that goes in. Um, she's paired up with a cop who does research in the physical world and interviews people. Supposedly, they don't talk to each other yeah. until the reveal. And she goes into a place blind. She doesn't know anything about it and walks through it at night. She pokes and her she, eyes out? Well, she she, she can see, but she, she yeah. knows no information about it at yeah. all. And uh, that's the perfect way to do it because then the cop comes up with the research and you match it up with what she said and you find out like, oh, yeah, that is real. That is here. That isn't here. But she does it without prior information. If that is true, and I have no reason to doubt it at this point, that she receives no information ahead of time, then, yeah, she's doing it the right way. Do you know if a psychic or medium work would 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 hold up in court or has it i don't know if it ever has i doubt if it would yeah uh it'd be kind of difficult to difficult to prove anything Mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting i mean the courts have their own way of doing things that aren't exactly uh on the up and up so i wouldn't be uh surprised if they were to take you know Take the, the 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 take the info from a psychic or medium, but um, you know they kind of make the rules up as is, you know. Yep. But you know what's the um risk involved with all of this? Uh the risk. Yeah. Okay, that is that if you do not have the controls when you open up. Mm-hmm. If you are not coming from a place of light and love, if you are not um, in that good place, you will open up a portal to something which you don't want to come through, something which uh, is negative. And that's where the training comes in to prevent that from happening and to prepare yourself so that you're not open all the time and subject to these other things coming in and to make sure you're in the right place so they don't want to come in. That's uh, the biggest risk is, yeah, they'll they'll be attacking you if you're not ready and if you're not in the right spot. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, you know, speaking on risk, let's uh, jump into the portals real quick on opening and closing portals. For all of, to, to open it up, let's tell, uh, just tell the audience about portals real quick who might not know. Uh, portals, you're talking about opening that door to the other world. Mm -hmm. Um, Anytime you do anything, uh, whether it be mediumship, Ouija board, uh, seance or anything, you are opening a door. And the problem with things, and we've talked about it in the past, Ouija boards, for instance, is that there are no controls. So you are just opening a door. Anything can come through. It's going to feed off your energy. It's going to use it to come through. Um, If you do a ceremony wrong, if you do a summoning, a seance wrong, 
it's going to start feeding off of your energy and it's going to take that opportunity to come through because you are not trained and you're not prepared for opening up that uh, particular portal. Uh, portals can be closed, but anytime you do anything of that nature, mediumship or otherwise, you are opening a portal and there is a risk if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's just like oh, it's opening up a big bay door and whatever wants to come in will come in and... You know, the majority of things want to come in, I assume. Um, they want to reach out and cross over into, you know, the old realm. How um, how important do you think living life is, like this realm, to a, to a spirit? Do you think they're in a, they'd give anything to come back? Or do you think that they actually really are, in fact, comfortable and at peace with being where they're at now? I think it goes back to how much of an attachment they had to this world. Yeah. And that goes to, you know, the ghost haven't left because they had an attachment or they're not aware that they should, that they're even dead. I think that most people, um, I'm eliminating other entities, but most people that once they do move on and once they are in the spirit world, they don't want to come back. Yeah. Um, they're fine over there and they see this world as different before, like I, I had said, my uh, parents and uh, the new wife and other people I've known have all been over there that uh, a communication came through. And you also have to realize that sometimes some of that communication, I used to hang around with a lot of mediums. Mm-hmm. And someone would say, hey, you've got so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. you got these three with you. Well, one would be my father, mother, and his new wife. It's a, over on the other side, it's a completely different game. It's a completely different thing. They don't want to come back. They want to help us live well and cross over to where they are to know that sort of love and peace that they have in our, in whatever the time is right for us, obviously. Yeah. In all your communication, have you ever been given a vision or seen what that other realm looks like? Uh, usually when I get a vision, it's, um, yeah, the realm, no, but sometimes if I get a strong communication, there was, uh, okay, I can think of one, uh, an old lady was showing, showing me something, and it had to do with uh, her granddaughter who was there mm-hmm. in this world, and the grandmother was in the spirit world, and they had been very close, and I was asking the grandmother in spirit, give me something so she'll know. Um, that this is you, something that she'll remember in detail. And suddenly I'm standing there, and it looked almost like the gallery. There was a group of people. They kind of, they faded out, mm-hmm. and I'm standing in a kitchen. And so I start describing it. Oh, there's a large um, oak table in front of me. There's dark wood cabinets in the side. There's looks like either copper or brass containers that flowers are put in. The back door's down one end of the table. This this side, yada, yada, opens up to this room, and there's this sort of couch, and there's an old-style rocking chair that has the magazine rack in the side. Um, and I'm describing it, and I'm saying, and you used to love to come over here, and you used to play, and sometimes you'd hide under the table, or you'd go in that jar over there next to the window and steal cookies. And Grandma knows all this, but, you know, she just wanted to let you know that, you know, she's around and still loves you, and this person started crying. But... And then all that disappeared, and I'm standing there in front of a bunch of people again. And it's like, uh, okay, thanks for showing me that. Yeah. So that that person's spirit took me there. 
and placed me so that I could see and describe everything that this person knew when I used to go over grandma's. So you think it's like a... Because I'm very curious what like the dimensional aspect of it, is, of it is. You know, is it just some kind of dark place with spirits floating around, or is it kind of like the, you know, almost like that where they lived? You know what I mean? Like, like when we're when we pass on, are we gonna be like? Would 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 you be in like your house that you're in now type deal? You know what I mean? Or like would I be in my house or wherever we frequent? You know what I mean? Um, I'm very curious what that other realm looks like. Is it something that just whatever they think of is what it turns into? You know what I mean? Like morphs into any memory they might have, or is it just kind of like a holding tank for all this uh, energy? You know what I mean? Well, I think the idea of a dark place with spirits floating around is more Hollywood-like. Yeah, that was good. Um, took that out of Ghostbusters. Um, <laughs> as far as, you know, being in the house you grew up in, that's more haunting and ghost. Yeah, yeah. The only experience I have, um, directly mm-hmm. is that when I was about 17 years old, I did not know I had a severe allergy. Yeah. And I, w- I was out of the country. And, uh, I ran into something which I went into severe shock. Yeah. Um, I can remember that. Uh, actually, this was back in the late 60s, the World's Fair in Canada. And I can remember I'm having trouble breathing. Then I couldn't stand. And there were no ambulances. So they put me in the back of a canine to bring me to the hospital. Yikes. Um, I can remember my body going cold. And then, even if we're not aware of it, for instance, we know we somewhere in our mind, we know we have a little toe. Yeah. Um, but... I reached a point where there was no sound. I was not aware of my body anymore. And then there was no sight. And I went to a place where I had awareness, but I didn't have body. And it was the most incredible, loving, peaceful, phenomenal sensation and awareness I have ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. And then I wake up and they revived me. I had tubes sticking out of me and everything, and they brought me back. I had died. And I think that when we cross in the spirit, there is that place, and when people communicate with us, what they're really doing is they're manifesting from that place, using energy to manifest in a form that we know. Um, usually what happens when I'm giving messages, uh, the person will appear healthy. And, like, I'll describe them, appear healthy. Sometimes I'll ask, okay, how did you pass? And then I see the person kind of wither all up and get all stuff like this, and I see uh, sunken cheeks, and I start to feel miserable, and I say, thank you, and then they appear healthy again. And I say, oh, by the way, they had cancer. That's how they passed. They're kind of, like, eaten up inside. Yeah. They're presenting an image so that we can communicate through that. It is not what we are in the other world. We're more of an energy and more of a light and more of a love. And we're with that greater light, love and energy, that oneness. And it's our spiritual path. Once we cross over to be it, to let go of this world and reconnect, whether you want to call that the divine, God, the center of the universe, 
pick a name, but it's there. I've been there. Yeah. And all of the rest is just how they communicate in terms that we understand, images that we understand, memories that we understand. But it's beyond all of that. And we'll know better, obviously, when we pass. You think this 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 realm is is universal almost for everybody? Or do you think it's kind of what means the most to that individual? Um, I think that initially, like some people see a tunnel with a light at the end, some yeah. people are greeted by ancestors. Initially, it's a way of gently bringing them over to the point where they can completely release this world, release their identity as like, oh. Uh, I'm Joe, and I'm this, and I'm this. No, you're not that. You're something greater than that. You're spirit. And you've got to be able to drop all the trappings uh, of this life, mm -hmm. of this personality, of this ego, and give it all up to be able to merge back into light. I'm going to run two things by you that I've heard that I don't exactly believe, but um, we'll go with anyways. Um, I heard that... You know, we've talked about this before too, where that don't, the don't go into the light thing, where it's all, it's like a, tr this is more conspiratory, where it's like, they think it's like, uh, the, like, like almost like a matrix type thing where the people that kind of run the, you know, run the whole, uh, this whole world, like the world that we know. Uh, they say if you st if you walk into the light, it brings you back to like a reincarnation type thing where you're reincarnated. But if you don't go into the light, is when you supposedly transcend into you know the the, the higher you know enlight enlightened you know space. Which we've I brought that up before, and I don't have any real. I got to get back into the evidence behind that and their their complete theory to really discuss it. But what's your take on that, real quick? I think that the light really is the enlightenment. I think that whether you come back or not, there's two schools of thought. One, um, like we mentioned earlier, is that you can be drawn back because you're attached too much to this world. And yeah. there are lessons for you to learn. You have to learn how to detach. Mm -hmm. There are some schools of belief, ancient ones, um, as well as some still around, that once you reach a certain point where you can continue on, or you can choose to come back to help people or help the world. And it's your choice. But I think there is something bigger than what any, any claimed matrix, et cetera, out there that is way beyond anything that we, uh, as humans or anybody else in this, in the multiverse could manipulate. It is a source that everything came from and it's where we return at some point. You, you believe in reincarnation, right? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, at, at one point in my life, uh, as a board certified hypnotherapist, and that includes being certified in past life, uh, regression and have done it for people where, where I brought things up about past lives. And some people were able to actually take a trip, go to a cemetery and find the person they were. Now, is it, is it always people or is there situations where, People reincarnate into, you know, animals or plants, maybe even? Uh, some belief systems believe that uh, depending upon your lesson and highly evolved you are, you may come back as an animal. Um, I've never encountered it. You think the animal life's an easier life than a human? Probably, right? 
Um, well, once you get by survival, yeah, uh, <laughs> True. I would say yes because I think more animals uh, are in tune with the spirit world and the world around them and the energies than people are. We've closed it all off. We've become so sophisticated that we've shut ourselves down from what actually counts. Would it, would it be possible that the actual animals are the, the more advanced species? You ever think about that? I'll have to ask my cat because my cat believes so. Ah, they sure do, especially cats. <laughs> and my, uh, my other question was, I also heard that when you... What happens when you're dying and you're seeing all your relatives, people think that it's uh, like your brain cells are popping because you're dying, and whenever, when they pop, you get like a, a vision of a memory. You ever heard that? I've heard that. What it doesn't explain is that people who have been dead for a period of time yeah. after, brain, after what would normally be brain death, it also doesn't explain how... Uh, if you have someone that communi can communicate and talk with the spirits, how they can describe, sometimes even name, strangers, like the, like the time that um, I was there when a friend was passing, yeah. that I never knew about. So it wasn't their brain uh, memories, because um, at that point, they were in such pain that they were on medications and they were unconscious, is that these people were there um, and if, if you talk, it, and it's the same thing with my mother, there were some of the people there that um, I didn't recognize until I looked through old albums of her family. And, um, yeah, she was being kept out officially alive uh, just long enough so that uh, the family could come and say goodbye. And this is all stuff I don't know, but was able to be able to see. So I believe if you transfer that over to the person dying, no, I don't think it's just brain cells dying yeah. dying off. I think it's the family and the friends coming to help them cross over. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when, the, when they're in a situation where their brain's kind of dead and they're just kind of being, you know, uh, the machines are keeping them alive, I almost feel they're kind of gone, you know. It's almost in a subconscious state where they're kind of, they could be outside their body waiting for their body to die too. You think that's possible? I think it's possible. I think we keep the body that way. Like I said, it was uh, given it that with my mother's situation, it was so that we could all um, go and say our final goodbyes. Yeah. yeah. Um, I believe that she was, uh, basically she was gone at that point and her whole family was there with her. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that they have a weird thing now that they do with people when they pass. They, they, I forget what the procedure is, but they keep, they can somehow keep the body warm. So when the family gets there and like, if they want to put a hand on them, it still has like the warmth of life, even though they're dead. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't heard about that one. Yeah. A friend of mine was talking about that when his father passed, that they had that done or whatever, like they, they, whatever the deal was, was done. Um, so when he went in there and like touched his hand, the body was like still warm. As opposed to, because I, you, you, once your everything stops, you probably start to get pretty cold quickly, right? I assume once the, right? What do you think? I don't know much yeah, about I, death, death. I think so. I think that you know, once once the energy system in the body shuts down and stuff, there's no reason for you to hold temperature. Yeah, I mean that's when rigor mortis sets in and stuff like. Well, rigor mortis is more what like the blood settling, like it's not pumping, so it's just kind of. 
starts to tighten up and you know yeah. the body the body all stiffens up but uh even if anybody's ever watched a single crime show and knows anything about that they can tell how long they they've been dead by how cold the body gets yeah so it's it's fairly rapid yeah um i think you have a couple hours if if, if any if any dirty joke serves me correctly from the you get a from back in the day you get a couple hours before the body turns cold It'd be nice to have a um, like a like a mortician uh, on the show sometime or something to really kind of. I know we've talked about death a few times on the show, but it'd be interesting to get the the people that actually take in the bodies and get the full. I mean, I'm sure it'll be a gross episode, but get the full just of you know what happens from the moment you you clock out. Um, to the moment you are put in the ground, you know what I mean? It'd be very interesting to take a trip down that lane, you know what I mean? A combination of fascinating and gruesome. Yeah, it would be, but it'd be very interesting because, like you said before, I think the biggest people fear death so much, and it's a, a lot of it's because they don't really know what's coming, you know what I mean? I feel even people that are ultra-religious in the back of their head, they still have that what if, you know, type thing. Um, the same way that people that are ultra not religious have in the back of their head, what if I was wrong, you know what I mean? Um, because no, the, no one's ever really officially came back from death in the sense of, you know, going to, going, you know, going all the way. And there's people that go, like, yeah, you, you, Pat, you went away for a little bit when you were younger with the allergic reaction thing and, you know, there's that, but there's no one that I don't think, you know, you didn't really find yourself in like a heaven state, right? You were in a peaceful place, but it wasn't quite, you know, I don't know. It could have been, but not a lot of people come back and, and, and to tell the story of what actually happens after death. And when they do, people don't really, I think the the idea of coming back is, is, is in, in most people's mind, a very far-fetched idea because... There's only two things that are certain in this life. It's taxes and death. You know what I mean? So, like, once you cross that realm, I think it's, uh, I think it's very interesting. But that's why there's so much fear behind it is because nobody knows, you know, is it going to hurt? You know, uh, just the act of dying, not not how you go out, but, like, it, what, what what's it going to entail? You know what I mean? Well, if you would have just, if someone would have asked me, yeah. Um, I would say that that state I was in, yeah, in that formless state with no body, no personality, nothing. That state I was in—that's as close to what I can think of as heaven okay. as it possibly could be. It was that good, huh? Oh yeah. I mean, I used to joke. I joked about it at one time. I said, "Think about the best sex you've ever had. It's a million times better." And that was the feel that you had. Did you did you see? Was it just bright, or was it like? It was bright, but not the type of bright that hits the eyes, because I, uh, actually I wasn't seeing with the eyes. It was yeah. an awareness, and no body, actually really no personality. It was just overwhelming, and it was the best feeling I have ever had in my entire life, and that's not to put down how much I love my kids and my wife right, and right. how uh, all of that is. It's not putting that down at all, but it's, it was just incredible. Nothing in this world matched it. But there was no, it was just light, like I, like, there's no tropical island, you know what I mean, or like, 
the toy, your, your favorite toy store as a kid, you know what I mean? Like, there's no perfect, I always envision it to be this perfect, what you consider as a personal Shangri-La, so to speak, would be what your heaven is, you know what I mean? But you, you're, the way you're explaining it is it's kind of almost like, when you get, when you see those fake, you know, you got those lights that are white and they're really bright, but they're not blinding, almost like a room of that is what it kind of sounds like you're talking about. Kind of like a silvery white. Yeah. I, I was, there was an awareness. Yeah. But a lot of, most of what, what the, we consider the awareness now, mm-hmm. uh, personality, ego, worries, all of these different thoughts running through our heads, everything was completely gone. I simply was, and there was only one feeling or one awareness, and that was just overwhelming, and it was the greatest thing that I have ever felt and the greatest state I have ever been in. And you said you'd seen loved ones there? Uh, no. Okay, it was just you by yourself? By myself, but I wasn't really myself. I was, it was like I was part of something bigger. Okay. That's like when you joined Boombastic Films. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and you didn't have, when you, when you were going out of consciousness, you didn't, I know it happened kind of quick, but you weren't kind of visited by... You know, family or anything that usually would come to come to see you when you pass out, when you when you could pass on. Well, several things. One is most of my family, my family was still alive. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, the other is when you say kind of quick, it took about twenty minutes because uh, between no ambulance available, transporting across the city, and all, it took about twenty minutes. Okay. And slow, slowly losing sensation, slowly losing uh, sight and vision and. At the time, I was more fascinated with it, yeah. wondering what's going on, and it's like, oh wow, I don't have a body, do I? Oh, I, I can't, I can't <laughs> see. But what is all of this? And yeah, I was being young, not having the fear of it. I didn't put a lot of things on it. I just experienced it. Shit. You think that the biggest burden on the the medium psychic? Uh you know, channeling world is ego. I know you, a little while ago, you were talking about how you were surprised at how much ego and kind of, you know, negative, negative feelings towards the fellow person doing the field. You think that that's probably the biggest hang up on it. And what do you think having a hang up like that does to the culture of, of the whole thing? I think that's, that's probably the biggest hang up and I think it helps bring it down. Yeah. It, it, uh, makes it very base, takes it away from its origins, which uh, is really a special gift. Even if you develop it to be able to help people, now it becomes competition in business. It becomes corrupted. Yeah. With um, the fact that there's so many people that do do it, um, why do you... And it is kind of big, and and more so in in recent years... Uh, and probably, you know, way, way back, it was probably like a huge deal. But why do you think it's not as big as it probably should be in, in society and culture right now? I think it's a commercial, commercialization of it. I yeah. think it's the egos involved and everyone trying to make money. And even if you take, um, like there was a show I mentioned, um, in the early episodes, there were homes and there were people and things going on there. But right across a lot of these paranormal shows, what you have now is that 
everything is turning out to be a demon. Everything is a catastrophe. Everything yeah. is, and you know that that's the networks and the producers pushing them. Get more sensational. Yeah, get really more sensational. Yeah. And as they're getting away from their roots of what they really are, they may be giving an audience what they want, but at the same time, they're destroying the integrity of the people who give messages to help. So you got ego and greed now working against the whole, the whole culture of it, the whole movement. Because that's what I think. I think, I think so. Yeah, because that's the greed. That's when the producer says, you know, hey, would get more viewers if, uh, if you know, you, you, this happened or that happened, and then it sways into it. It's more they're kind of selling out their beliefs. You know what I mean for for the dollar. You know for for or for more ego enhancing. You know stuff. Well, there were some shows that used to go into homes a lot, and I've seen some of those shows, and now they're all going to asylums. They're all going to yeah. places of mass murder. They're all going to, it's like, um, you still have homes that are haunted. Why can't you deal with spirits one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, there used to be a show on, I haven't seen it in about a year. It was called Rescue Mediums. Mm. It was filmed in Canada. There were two ladies. They would go into a home, and they would do things, um, pick things up, communicate with things. And they would, when they found the spirit there, they would help it pass on. Then they would sit down the next day with the homeowners and give the homeowner the information they got. And a homeowner would compare it with um, information that they knew. Mm -hmm. And I'd say 80, 90% of the time, they were accurate. Yeah. But their job was to go in and help spirits that were trapped. The the show didn't didn't take off like I think it should have, but then again, they're not going into notorious. Or they're not going into Alcatraz to talk to Al Capone, or, or they're not going into um, some some hell house to confront the demon and start screaming. And people have gone for the sensational, and unfortunately, the people doing this um, to survive in the field have bought into it. Yeah. Yeah, the um, I had one other thing here to to bring up to you. Um, controlled communication. What do you think of when I say that? Controlled communication. Yeah. Okay. Um, what I think is very much like what I said when you when you prepare when you uh, eliminate things like the Ouija board and seances and other things is that if I would here I would go off before a gallery and uh, a group of people I would go off and be alone I would say some prayers I would ask for help I would ask for the greater good to help the people who need it I would reach out to those in spirit even before seeing the group yeah um, asking them to identify and come in for these people but I would use certain protections and I would use certain meditations so that it was controlled nothing negative was welcome Nothing negative was there. It was all geared towards helping the people receive the communication, those who needed it the most. Because if you have 20 people, the odds are you're not going to have messages for everybody. Right. Um, but that was the controlling factor is in the training and how you do it, how you prepare yourself so that you control it. Even down to if someone appears and they're near somebody, like I said before, it's like, you know, if, if you're a parent, get close up. If you're a grandparent, step back a step. If you're an aunt or uncle, step next to them. 
so that I can tell what your relationship is, unless you want to tell me up front, but <laughs> it's yeah. kind of uh, where I would ask them to do things. I was, in that sense, controlling this. If they showed up to communicate, then, okay, we've got to have some common things here. There's got to be some controls in some ways we do it. You can you can give me, um, okay, how you died, you can give me symptoms. Obviously, you're not going to take my life, but you can let me feel part of it. And when I say thank you, let it go. And so I start to feel it. I say thank you. It goes away, and I said, okay, that was a heart attack. So those controls back and forth with the people that are here to help those, the, the ones in spirit that are here to comfort and help those still in this world, uh, are fairly easy to establish because they're cooperative. They want to give a message through. They want to help this uh, grieving person uh, release that grief and know that there's more than uh, just their death, that there's a whole life they have to live and they'll be there for them yeah. uh, when it's their turn. Have you ever encountered a medium that kind of, you know, with greed and ego and all that has been corrupted and kind of went dark or kind of let it let the whole thing kind of destroy them as a human, as a person? Uh, no, anybody who had even a hint of that, um, I distanced myself from, so I don't know whatever, what eventually happened to them. Yeah. Um, my uh, people I would associate with, one I still do, that has some abilities is Audra. She's been on the show. Of course, yeah. We love Audra. Um, yeah, they they have to be positive. They have to be giving. Um, they, they can't be greedy. They can't be negative. They can't be hyper-competitive or yeah. uh, anything of that sort. They've got to be coming from the right place. Otherwise, I just don't associate with them. Yeah, is it a, was, was that something often that you would see? You know, once they... Once they start to, you know, harness their abilities and, you know, help people out, they start to kind of change. Some of them sway in that direction of the ego and, you know, maybe glamorize things that shouldn't be glamorized. I would say among uh, some, of the, some of them that became started to become very successful, they tried to push it too far instead yeah. of letting it take its course. And that's where they started to uh, push things, change things, glamorize things, um, get competitive, put others down uh, so that they could get more customers. It's where they lost their path. Yeah. Now, what, 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 what bad things can come from them, you know, pushing things a little too far? Um, they may not be communicating with um, what they want to communicate with because yeah. they're now shifting their focus and their energy over to the negative. And then the negative can get a hold of them. Yeah. And uh, that's not a good thing. I was just hit with the vision of the future where the show is a big success and Ray Booten starts up those seminars again. Well, I'll tell you, those seminars for a small group right now of uh, people I knew, if they ever wanted to, I would do it. Yeah. But they would have to be people that have a genuine interest that I know. Yeah. Um, because they were small gatherings, uh, ne never more than 10 people. Mm -hmm. It was a one-day thing to give you the basics and directions to go in. And then anybody in those um, I've kept in contact with so that uh, if they ever have a question or if they ever need anything, I'm available for them. So you don't, so, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, go ahead. You don't really like the idea of like all the when you see these seminars with you know five hundred people there and the the medium up at the podium. You think that you know that's kind of breaking into the other side of that. Uh, you know when they're getting too big, pushing it and you know greed coming in, some ego maybe. Or you think that you could have an audience that big and still kind of keep your integrity. You know what I mean? Well, when you talk about seminars, I talk about training seminars. Yeah. Okay, uh, if you're talking about a gallery, that's what you're talking about with the big groups. Okay. And I think that that is geared primarily for money because if you were to bring in 100 people, uh-huh. you're charging 100 people Well, when in reality, um, in a couple of hours, you might be able to deliver messages for, um, I don't know, three or four people. Yeah. So you know, you know most of them are going to pay money and not get anything. Of course, yeah. So I would basically, uh, I would limit the size of mine, never more than 20, and let them know that there's no guarantee, and I would go a minimum of two hours, sometimes three hours, to get to a point where no one else in spirit was showing up. Mm. And we can't always, one thing to remember is they will come through on their terms in the sense of whoever needs it at that moment. Someone may be wanting to hear from somebody, but it's not the time in a life where they need to hear from somebody. Yeah. And when they need, they'll get their message. Right. At that time, not our timing. Because in spirit, they're much more aware of what's going on in our world and our spiritual and emotional well-being than we are even at times as yeah. we get wrapped up in this physical world. And uh, in closing, what would you what would, what advice would you give to anybody that was out there listening that wanted to pursue um, the medium field or, or get their feet into it? You know what I mean? Uh, to start learning, is there any you know any 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 anybody you can think of that they should be looking into or websites they should be checking out or you know <clears throat> things that they should just be trying at home to maybe better themselves at it? Safely. I think I think that initially they might start looking into some energy work, something along the lines of Reiki, mm-hmm. uh, balancing their own uh, chakras, um, developing healing powers and protection uh, initially. And then uh, beyond that is finding someone that uh, obviously is not in it for the money, that when you sit down with them, simply wants to help people. And someone that actually, uh, you know, impresses you. I mean, I am a nightmare to go. Uh, I did it once. Uh, well, actually, only two, you know, once, I'd say, within the last 10 years, did I ever go and sit down in a room with a medium. Yeah. And it was a one-on-one. I paid the money because I was curious. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there. And all I gave them was yes or no. And I didn't say a word. I let them work for it. Yeah. Because that's my standard. And I would say that would be the standard. If you meet somebody that can give you information and it does so and then says, oh, no, don't don't, don't worry about it. They just wanted to talk to you. And they're doing it out of kindness. And they're doing it uh, because they're sharing this ability. Then those are the people that you want to associate with. You want to be around and maybe pick up hints and maybe pick up things that you should be doing. And you are going to have to work on your energy work and your protection, but when you're ready to take it the next step, those are the people that you have to attach yourself to, that you have to find, the ones that their spirit matches your spirit and your goals are the same. 
Was that one medium respectable? Like, did you were you disappointed with him, or was he like knew what he was doing? Uh, I knew what I was doing after about a couple of years. I left him. Yeah. Uh, um, started to go in the wrong direction. Yeah. What would be the wrong direction? More money. Uh, it was about, it became about money. It became yeah. about fame. He started to get scattered. The interesting thing is once he did that within about six months and stuff, uh, he had to hang it up and went somewhere else. He lost all his business. Interesting. Yeah. I think the people that are trying to make money off of it. It's a real, it's a real fine line. You get a ride, you know what I mean? Because you, if you, you're asking too much money, you're coming off like that's what the only thing that matters. And you know, it must be at a, a weird situation because, you know, if you're doing it right and you know your stuff, you know, people are being impressed and getting the messages they want to get. So they're, they don't mind spending the money. Um, but, you know, it comes to everything comes to an end, you know what I mean? And they're eventually going to say, all right, well, nah, I don't really want to spend that money anymore. And then now they just become somebody, that medium becomes somebody that cares more about money than anything else you know the thing for the me any medium to remember is this is a spiritual journey yeah you're, con you're connecting with people in spirit this is uh something that either you have or have developed it's a gift and it has nothing to do with ego uh i think what proves that it has nothing to do with ego is that in the time i win the training um it wasn't me that uh it wasn't you know only me only i can train them that way yada yada, yada. no yeah. my whole job was to open it up open them up so that they could do this and they could run with it and they could achieve what they wanted to and if they needed any help you know where to find me right and that and just cut them loose and enjoy this you now have a different perspective in the world you now know what everybody else is unsure of or believes in, you know there is more. Yeah. I, I know, not only from my death experience, but there's no way I can do this with strangers, have done it, unless there is more on the other side for us. So it's not, death is not permanent. It's just the body. We continue on. Amen, brother. That was beautifully that was beautifully wrapped up right there. I like that. So I think uh I think we'll wrap up this episode and uh another banger, another good one, getting back into the realm of um talking to the dead, the deceased. You know what I mean? It's a very uh very interesting thing, you know. It's it's an important role that's played by people like Ray and you know, being that middle person, um, it's very important, you know, the, um, you know, I'll finish up with this question. What do you think, how, how important do you think it is that, that the living speak with the dead? I think the one major thing they can get from it that is very important mm -hmm. is, is, uh, what I said, and that is, do not be so concerned with this world. There is something greater beyond, and we continue. And once you do that, then you start looking at your life here differently. Yeah. Because you realize it's not all about, oh, title, money, power. This is temporary. If you're lucky, you get 80 years out of it. 
Right. What about the what about the eternity on the other side? What about that spirit world? That is much more important, and it changes changes your perspective. And I think that's why it's good for people to consider it, whether it's training or going to a reputable person, or just think about it. Think that if this does happen, and it does with certain people, what does it mean to me? That I'm more than this finite body, much, much more, and I continue on. Yeah. And I continue on, and I continue on. I like it. All right, and with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Mostly Ghostly. I want to thank everybody for listening along, and like I said in the beginning, share, share, share. Let everybody know how proud of Mostly Ghostly you are. And uh, spread the word, spread the message, and uh, we'll continue doing it big for y'all. Stay safe out there. Want to say anything in closing, Ray? Keep that mind and spirit open. You're a lot more than what you see in the mirror. Boom. I love it. And we'll catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. (laughs) 